All right, guys, what is going on? I am very happy to bring this to you. So some uh, things I'm just going to talk real quick about some direction stuff of the podcast. So I had a meeting with a mentor of mine recently and, you know, I'd taken some time off of some mentorship and I had taken some time off of driving the ball forward all the time. Obviously, a lot of you guys know me. I'm a pretty all in type of person. And when I do something, I want to make sure I do it right. I want to make sure that it's high quality. I want to make sure it's up to my standards. And really more than anything, I want to make sure that what I bring to you all, the community that listen, the community that you know give everything and have given everything to me and my family, I want to make sure that it is worthy of your time. And honestly, when I had switched focus for a little bit and I wanted to put the focus on my family, being the best father I could, being the best husband I could when Stevie was born, I, you know, put some of that stuff or at least that side of me a little bit on the back seat. And my mentor really said, you know, this is something that you have to continue to drive the ball forward on. It's so important because your loudest voice and the most positive change that you can have, not just for the people who are currently coming to your gym right now, but once they leave the gym and once they're no longer a part of your in-person community, you want to make sure that you can still be able to help people. And even for people who will never be able to come to Dublin, Ohio, or never be able to come to the gym and experience or be around or involved in that culture directly, you want to make sure that you can still have some degree or some way of influencing them. So I have some really big ideas for how we're going to do this and some stuff that's coming in the next uh, year. But this was one of the things that I wanted to do. And I'm leaning a little bit on other people to help me get the ball rolling. But there's some new software out there called Riverside, which allows me to do a really cool uh, podcasting slash Zoom meeting where we get really high quality audio and video saved and we can do all kinds of stuff. I actually had uh, downloaded some some Seinfeld little sound bites that I could uh, in- implement, but they didn't go the way I wanted them to. So this is our first run with it. This is going to be an on-running series that Sean, Bobby, and I are going to do once a month. And it's going to be about seeking stoicism and our pursuit of that, how we go through it as a journey and what it's meant to us. And, you know, my hope is over time, as the weeks come up, we'll be able to, you know, take quotes or valuable resources that we've been implementing with our teams. So, you know, Bobby is, you know, a pretty high up person in Ohio State and his wife, Jenna, is a, is a teacher and they are both big big culture people. They really try to be great leaders and they are great leaders. Sean owns his own business and has a lot of employees and they are doing amazing things there as well. And on top of that, they're also incredible culture people for us in our gym. Sean has our record for largest weight loss journey in our facility at about 122 pounds, I believe. And Bobby, I believe, is the strongest and one of the longest tenured clients that really doesn't have like a family tie to us. He probably is the longest tenured client at Friendship. So his consistency and persistence and resiliency, I think, really speak to what we want the community to be about. And more than anything, after almost almost 12 years of being there. He's still meeting new people. He's still engaged. He's still trying to help us create a culture that is excellent. And I think both of those things are to be aspired to. And we are on this journey together as, you know, a group of leaders and mentors trying to help each other be better and stay focused. And you'll hear us talk about that. And I hope that you guys can get something away from our conversations. I think you will. And, uh, you know, my hope is every month that we get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better as a team to, you know, help you guys 
build cultures in your own communities, in your own families, in your own businesses by maybe pulling some nuggets away from what we're doing. Thank you guys so much. I hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Friendship Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Binnick, and today we're going to be talking about all things fitness, wellness, and mindset so that you can be the best version of yourself for everybody and your family and life that loves you and needs you. Three, two, one. Nice, nice little delay on that. All right, guys, we are here with the Seeking Stoicism Friendship Podcast is our first uh, version of this. We're giving some new things a shot here on the podcast. So these guys are my guinea pigs. Thank you both for coming on. We've got Sean Suttle and Robbie Srivastava here. Uh, both have been independent guests on their podcast. And so if you guys want to check those episodes out, I'll throw the links in the show notes. But uh, we're going to start off just talking about what is Stoicism and then a little bit about kind of what it means to us. So Stoicism is a school of philosophy that hails from ancient Greece and Rome in the early parts of the third century BC. It is a philosophy of life that maximizes positive emotions, reduces negative emotions, and helps individuals hone their virtues of character. So I like that definition. I looked up a few definitions, but uh, that was probably my favorite. Uh, So Sean, I'm going to throw it to you first. What prompted you to sort of begin pursuing Stoicism as a philosophy? Oh, so, sorry there. I got, got muted for a second. Um, no, you're good. Yeah, yeah, sorry. But um, what prompted me? That's a great question. So I really never gave any thought to stoicism or maybe had perceived it as self-help, um, which, you know, growing up in a very blue collar family um, where the dad was the breadwinner, it was you know, you do whatever it takes. Um, you really, you know, I don't want to say you don't express your feelings. So my parents did a good job of that, but, um, you know, you just, you do what it takes sort of mentality and whether it's easy, whether it's hard, you just, you just do it. So I never really dove into the, you know, stoicism or really thought about it. And, um, when I joined friendship and started going through that, you know, trying to get healthier, um, started, you know, talking to some of you guys about stoicism and, um, you know, ego is the enemy, uh, Ryan holiday started really thinking about some of those, um, those mindsets and those mantras. And, um, really it turns out, you know, I had been sort of following, um, stoicism without really knowing it. And so, just, you know, really taking time to um, be mindful, thinking about, you know, that journey that you're on and what it really takes to do something that's hard. I think that was probably, you know, the first thing is like, you know, put myself in a really, you know, shitty situation with with gaining some weight, not really thinking um, why or how that happened. Um And then going through that process and how hard it was, stoicism really helped me, you know, focus on, you know, um, the courage to do it, um, you know, the temperance, just the fortitude and and driving forward. And, you know, on the days that you don't want to do it or you you might want to give up or, you know, take an off day, which is totally fine. But um, having that mindset really sets that anchor in the ground to where if you commit to those tenants um, and you commit to yourself, 
um, it really helps propel you forward. Yeah. And I mean, for people who like aren't familiar with your journey, you know, you started uh, probably what's well, been about four years. Five years. Five years. Yeah. And we, you know, you started, do you know what like your total weight loss like was like top yeah, to bottom? I was, yeah, I was, I was pushing, you know, 360. So it's been, I've lost over 120 pounds um, and I've, I've kept it off, you know, since, you know, in that five years. So, um, yeah. But there's definitely still like, you know, I definitely still struggle with, with food and, um, you know, it's a constant, you know, now it's a lot easier because, you know, my habits have changed and things like that. But I always feel like that's a slippery slope too, right? Like I feel like I, you know, once you've been somewhere and you've come back from it, I always have that in the back of my head that, hey, that's, that happened to me before it could happen to me again. So again, subscribing to those four tenets of stoicism um, really helps you anchor in and, and be cognizant of, you know, you're, you're, you're always on that journey. Um, the journey never ends. So it's not just a 20 or 30 pound thing. It's a, it's a, it's a whole lifetime. Like you have to be committed to it for a lifetime. And, you know, so it's not only just that journey, it's, it's in its work. It's, you know, how, you know, you're raising your kids, you know, your relationships with your friends, my relationship with my wife. I mean, all that stuff ties in. Um, when I want to flip somebody off on the road, you know, incident of road rage. So what it really does, is it trains your mind to really the Browns on Sunday, the Browns on Sunday. I'm not quite there yet. That might be the one area that's um, still lacking, but just the ability to, to sort of slow everything down and think about it and in, in, you know, you think about it a little bit in the present, but you try to game plan it out, right? You're, you're a couple, three, four, five, six moves ahead. And, you know, just the simple example of road rage, like, all right, well, what is, what does that accomplish? You know, in the long run, I got cut off big deal. Who, who does it, you know, you know, does it really affect me? Um, so um, yeah, so it's helped in all facets of my life. Yeah, it's those like micro challenges. I think that, you know, when you're faced with those micro challenges, when you sort of intentionally put those in front of yourself and then you defeat them, then when things are unintentionally put in front of you, you're still a lot more like that discipline just can kick in at times where maybe you don't see it, where like, you know, you, you're watching your son's soccer game. I'm sure that there are parents who are losing their cool and freaking out and you're able to, you know, we all get emotional in that way. But how quick can you draw on that discipline? How quick does it pull you back to be in the person that you want to be? Yeah. And that's a constant, um, you know, you're, you have to constantly practice it. Cause you're, you're never, you're always going to slip up, right? You have to, you're constantly getting better every day by practice one, practicing it, you know, being cognizant of it. And two, surrounding yourself with like-minded people who, who believe the same thing you do and, and hold you accountable um, to that, um, you know, to that mantra. So I've, you know, from when I started my journey to now, my friendships have totally changed a hundred percent. And it's, it's because the goals that I have set for myself, you know, really didn't align with those friendships. It's not like I'm, I'm not cordial with those folks, but it's not like I'm having the, like we're doing right now with you guys, like sitting down, 
talking about stoicism, how it affects us, how it affects our families, you know, the positive impacts it has on uh, the community around us and just, you know, continually pushing yourself to be better because at the end of the day, that's, that's really what it's all about, right? Like what, what is, what is somebody going to say about Jeff Binnick or what's somebody going to say about Bobby when he's no longer here? You know, he was, he was a great friend. He was a great father, you know, he w- he was a great example. I want to be more like him. And that's really um, the other part of it too, is just leaving that legacy and, and creating, um, you know, the, the mindset and, and the, especially these young men and these young kids um, to really think about who they are, what, who they want to be, the, you know, goals. And, and it's tough, man. It's not an easy, um, it's not an easy thing to do. Right. Right. Uh, Bobby, let's toss it over to you. Uh, what prompted you to begin pursuing stoicism as a philosophy? Uh, well, well, thanks for having me on and appreciate, you know, having these conversations with you guys. Uh, Sean, I always love hearing your story, no matter how many times I've heard it. You're, you uh, uh, have a great perspective on life uh, and I really value that. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I like made a conscious decision to pursue it as much as it just kind of organically happened. It absolutely happened, you know, uh, through gym relationships. Um, I would say like similar to Sean, um, I was very much a, uh, self-improvement, you know, business books, uh, type of reader, uh, really into nonfiction stuff and learning about other people's stories. Um, and I think, you know, the transition for me, uh, I would say from, pursuing that type of literature to where I'm at now uh, is really just a consequence of my, you know, personal life and and who's in it now versus, you know, when I was in my mid to late twenties. And so um, you'll have to bear with me uh, for this podcast. I'm finding a little bug. So, you know, I I would say, you know, in my twenties, you know, I, I didn't have any responsibilities to anyone other than myself. And so, you know, when your early career, um, you know, my, my objectives were, you know, what's the type of literature that's going to motivate me and inspire me to, um, excel in my career and increase my compensation and, and be a manager of people. Um, and so I surrounded my, I, I was very targeted in how I was reading, um, and choosing books. And, you know, what was missing from all of that was just a conversation about the person and the self. And so, uh, you know, when I, for those that, you know, know me, I worked, uh, with Jenna, who's my wife. Uh, we met at a charter school system that primarily serves students and in, in communities where there's no access to high quality education. And so we were sort of our our philosophy was to teach these leadership traits. But again, it was very formulaic, like, you know, in some sense, like we got to get these kids to teach to the test and hear all the ways that we're going to teach them grit. And we're we as a staff are going to re- read Carol Dweck and and we're going to be all about growth mindset. Well, growth mindset is a great topic to dive into, but I think, I think that laid the foundation for all the other things that were coming into my life that I couldn't just rely on the things I was reading in my twenties. And so, um, you know, I, I, um, as I met Jenna and we started a relationship, uh, we decided to spend the rest of our lives together. And so again, you know, just reading growth mindset and thinking through leadership books revolving around career success, uh, wasn't really going to make me a better husband. And, and, you know, (laughs) I am not well experienced in my life in the dating world. And, um, you know, I would say Jenna 
was it is my first girlfriend. And so, uh, you know, talking to her about and she and, and I guess my point is she was much further down the road in that type of personal development. Like she could have conversations with me um, about her values, her morals, which I just I just could not keep up with. And, and that was a result of her just being very grounded in her Christian faith. And so for me, it doesn't necessarily mean that, oh, you know, Jenna can connect with me on, on such a deep level. I'm just going to go become a Christian. You know, like what is it that's going to work for me? And I think as I watched the gym culture change over the years, um, you know, definitely transitioned from, you know, my 20s where I enjoyed being a social butterfly, enjoyed having a lot of friends, wasn't very mindful of my personal finances. Um, my career was okay, but I will tell you, I was very lost. Like, you know, and that's not different than many people in their 20s. You graduate college and you say, what do I want to do? And you blink and it's five years later and you're like, I still don't know what I want to do, which is okay. Um, but those were things that I was trying to transition out of um, or tr transition on from, you know, not saying I'm Dis I'm being dismissive of who I was before. I just want to keep growing and building. And so, um, you know, getting closer with you and, you know, Matt LaMonica, uh, Chris Sansbury, you know, I hate to admit it, but if you want the clear answer, he's the one that got me into it. Um, and so he's, he is very well read. Um, and, you know, I, I try and keep in my, my ears and eyes open to people who I feel like are, um, you know, checking the box in terms of being, um, you know, sound mind, making good decisions in their life and just observing, you know, what is it that you're doing uh, that I'm not doing? What are the things that I should experiment with? You know, I think people see my banner on the wall and Jeff knows I was, you know, we didn't do like at risk clients back in the day, but I was the most at risk of at risk. Like once we moved <laughs> into a new building, I was coming like once a month. Um, and so I think, through gym relationships and, you know, now I'm a dad of, of two amazing kids. Like I'm more focused on finding literature that helps me um, assess my mind every single day. Uh, so daily, daily stoic is something that I rely on quite a bit, actually. Um, you know, Ryan Holiday has a great suite of books, but I think his suite of books is really what I've founded my vision for my life off of. There are a lot of books on stoicism. A lot of literature on stoicism, but I would say his was sort of the jumping off point. And, and uh, you know, I think today I'm able to, like Sean said, you know, I, I, I today I can find tests and um, I can find tests and 50 different things throughout any given day that I would never have recognized was a test uh, 10 years ago. So whether it's a conversation with my wife, that's not going the way that her and I hope if my sons come home and they've made a bad choice, if they've made a bad choice in real time right in front of me, I consider all these things test. How am I going to handle and approach the situation? Doesn't mean I handle it perfectly, um, but that, that's been sort of the evolution from, you know, where I was in my 20s, where I was still very interested in being a person. Um, it just looks different. The things I'm pursuing to be a better person is different today. Yeah, I think it's great. And I mean, honestly, a big reason why I wanted to choose you guys is I think you're both, you know, the, since I've known you, just in the time that I've known you, like Sean, your business has become more successful. You've had to hire people. I've watched you go through that process. Um, I've worked with you. You built out Lewis Center for us. So I got to actually see what you do and what your team does and see you in a leadership role. And that was awesome. And Bobby, I've seen you, you know, from an unmarried to married to kids to ascension, ascension, ascension in career. 
um, and continue to be put in situations that call on you to be a better leader. And I think that's a big reason why I wanted to, you know, choose both of you for this on top of the fact that, you know, you're both, uh, at fun stages for me. Like if we had like Star Fox on here, it'd be fun because he would have like the, 21 or 22 and like 18 or 19 and then sean yours remind me like 15 and uh, thir- thir- 13 and 15 yeah 13 and 15 and yeah. bobby you're like what seven or eight how old's dylan uh dylan's gonna be nine next month nine. okay turn, yeah he's gonna turn four right and i'm at and i'm at seven months right so <laughs> so i think it's fun to have those different levels and you know you guys as parents are, are people that you know i aspire to in, in star fox definitely and there's a there, i'm lucky and we're lucky i think to have a handful of parents um and you get to see those those common traits and a huge component of that like you just alluded to bobby is is do you recognize things for their their one step deeper rather than just the emotional response that you want to have right off the bat, right? That, that first, that like, you know, I'm going to say typically it's a negative emotion, but that just raw emotional piece, or can you take that step back? And that's a huge component of what stoicism has meant to me and what it does mean to me when I look at others, when I say somebody is stoic is can't, how do you react to this clearly emotional, you know, huge challenge that was just put in front of you? Can you take a beat and take a breath and take a step back and recognize who you want to be, who the person that you do want to be, how they would make that decision? And I think you guys do a fantastic job of that. Um, so that was a huge you know, component for me of picking both of you. So I appreciate you guys sharing that. So we got a handful of things uh, that I kind of want to want to go through. Um, and, you know, I think the the fun ones kind of to start. And I think, Sean, this actually paired in really well. This was Bobby's um, addition to our podcast notes today. Uh, but I thought it actually went really well with what you were just saying. Uh, so Bobby, I'm just going to read this. Um, the greatest version of you is not the quote, I can do anything quote version of you. The greatest version of you, sorry, the greatest version of you is the version you is the disciplined version of you. The greatest version of you is the version that has parameters. No, I don't do that. I don't drink that. I don't go there with those people. I'm focused. I have a prize in front of me. I know what I'm supposed to do and that ain't it. I have to stay right here. And that's something for me, um, like I really enjoyed that. But Sean, I think this is what you alluded to is every you know month, week, like we got holiday season coming up. This is such a great quote for that because I think it's like, you're going to have all of these different things, all the different, no, I don't do that. I don't drink that. I don't go there with those people. I am focused. I have a prize in front of me. Um, and so, you know, I think that is kind of alluding to these challenges that are kind of constantly pushing us. So I don't know, Sean, if you had a chance to read that before, or if you had any thoughts on it, but I thought it went really well with what you said. Uh, can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, it's asking me to read browsers, not allowing to record refresh now, but if you can hear me, I'll just keep going. Um, okay. We can, we can hear you. Okay. So, uh, Bobby, you talked about everything um, is a test. And so going back to that, this is who I am. You know, this is what I do. These are my parameters. These are, you know, this is my long-term goal. And everything I do every day should be to that goal. So I think <clears throat> that everything is a test is people who practice stoicism realize that there are going to be obstacles along the road and there's going to be failures 
um, you're, you're not going to be stoic. You are going to have an emotional response to your son or your wife or the road rage thing. So you're not going to pass every test. And I think uh, the big part of it is, is being able to understand those failures, know that they're going to happen and, and get up off the mat per se. And, you know, not go down, you know, the downward spiral where, you know, I, 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 I failed at X, Y, and Z today. So, you know, I'm just gonna let, let it slide. And tomorrow, you know, I'll, I'll start it next week. I'll, I'll just keep going down this downward spiral. So it's the ability to not only to realize that everything's a test, but to keep, keep swinging. Like it's, you're going to fail. You've got to keep, you got to keep that, uh, that end goal in mind or that prize in mind and, and know that, you know, everyone who's, who's, whether it's in business, whether it's working out, I still have goals that I, that I haven't achieved, but you know, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to, I'm going to keep moving forward. And I think that, um, that resiliency (laughs) that we all talk about, um, is such a huge part of, you know, passing those daily tests. Yeah, I think so too. Um, so we were just kind of wrapping up, Bobby, you know, you threw that quote up there. Um, so why don't you just take a second and just kind of tell me, you know, what that quote means to you and kind of what you think about it. Um, and kind of how it, how you feel like it, uh, can provide good kind of insight for you. Yeah. Well, uh, admittedly, uh, you may not want to hear this, but it just showed up in my Instagram reels. <laughs> and so it, uh, you know, it was one that I was like, wait a minute, that that's actually fire. So I went back to it. And, um, you know, Michael, Michael Todd's a pastor and I, I looked him up a little bit. I don't know. I just think it's just, it's so, it's so simple yet so complex. Um, because I think in some sense, if you're pursuing, um, a better version of you, you're, you're fighting this quote every day. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are so many distractions in society where, uh, we, and admittedly myself, you know, I'm working on this all the time. Like, even with uh, nutrition and diet and, you know, how am I, you know, as a 38 year old approaching difficult conversations, whether it be uh, at work or in group chats or my neighborhood or my community. um, And and am I going to give an inch uh, and have to go back and say, you know what, I knew there was a decision that I was supposed to make and I chose the easy path of not making it. Um, and, and it. And again, it could be anything. It could be like, you know, you're in a group setting and everyone's talking about, you know, somebody else that's not in that group. And are, are you going to be the one that says like, let's change the subject. Like we're not, we're not talking about this. I think that happens more often than not. Um, Cause it's so easy to do. And so when I, when I saw this quote um, you know, I think everybody has that version of themselves that they are pursuing every single day. And I think that gets eroded the more you look at the prize that's in front of you and you know, consciously that you're not pursuing it. And that's the stuff, you know, in various dimensions, right? Like I mentioned nutrition. I'm, I've, I've had maybe 100 day ones uh, in my life, you know, trying to get things ramped up. And I know, you know, when I'm making that bad choice, that, that is something I'm going to have to reflect on. Whereas 10 years ago, I, I would have made that same decision to be like, nah, whatever. I'm not going to think about that. It's fine. On to the next thing. So, you know, that one really stuck out to me. And um, I see it's unfortunate, you know, you, you, you see people in different phases of life, uh, you know, quite frankly, like at this age, I'm starting to observe uh, people that are friends of mine, their marriages are ending, um, you know, and, and people are pursuing different things in their relationship, different things in their career. And, you know, I ask myself, like, you know, what what are the types of people 
uh, that I want to keep around in my life. So like I mentioned earlier, like I like being a social butterfly. I liked having um, a lot of friends. You hang out with one group on a Friday night, hang out with another group on a Saturday night. Uh, I keep my circle real small now. And I don't even, in some sense, depending on how people have changed in their lives, um, I'll either have the conversation with them. And I have had a conversation with some people about like, look, we're just different people these days. Doesn't mean I don't care about you, don't care about your success. But I think we're, you know, our, 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 our friendship isn't really a friendship anymore. It's acquaintanceship. And let's not let's not force it. And, you know, there are some circumstances where people make decisions and I don't have the conversation with them. Um, and maybe that's something I need to reflect on, but you know, you're uh, for lack of a better phrase, like you're out, you know, I know the type of people I need in my circle, um, to help me be a better person. And so I love this quote, like, I don't do that. I don't drink that. I don't go there with those people. I'm focused. And so, um, that jumped out to me, you know, uh, immediately, you know, I was browsing social media, but <laughs> it jumped out um, to me immediately. Yeah. 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 Well, and, uh, and I, I mean, I think, you know, you hit on a couple things there The you know, the, saying no to somebody gives you the opportunity to say yes to somebody new or somebody different or somebody that is going to be that net positive in your life. So I think that's always something that's really important to remember is, you know, if you do have some of those toxic relationships or even just relationships that are not aligned in that way, where you don't feel like you can have an honest conversation or you don't feel like it's, um, you know, a net positive to you and your family's life. Um, you know, that's taking time, energy and resources away that you could be putting into somebody, you know, new and great that mm-hmm. could be entering exactly. your life that well, you could be mentoring that is ready to receive those things. Right. And I think that's the other component to what you said is sometimes I'll skip those conversations because I just know deep down, like, you know, that person's still on their journey. You know, there were you, you and I were when we first met when we were 25, 26, 27. It's like they're early in that journey and they're going to figure it out. Right. It's at some point. Uh, but right now, if I had that conversation, I tell, I try, I reflect on this all the time. It's like, if somebody would have had these conversations, you know, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, would I have even been able to receive them? And, and the answer is no way. Um, I was in no way ready to receive. I wasn't ready even once I started the gym when I was 25, 26. Um, just wasn't ready. Um, and so it, it is a journey. And I think sometimes you have to kind of, you know, look at, look at your time and energy and resources. Hey, that's a weird one. Did the camera give out for you guys too? Yeah. yeah. It, said, it said your camera's hot. Oh, oh, is that what it says? Yeah. Internal temperature or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Yeah. You use this nice camera. All right. Uh, well, all right. you know, I think Sean, you brought you and Amanda probably, um, you know, experiences through your kids, uh, where, you know, I'll give you an example. So a couple weeks ago or like a month ago, um, you know, we had a babysitter and this babysitter is one of Jenna's former students. And, you know, we, before we kind of leave to our dinner, you know, we just hang out with her and, and ask her to catch up. And she was just telling us how she had gotten in trouble because she was on, a group chat with all the other players on their team won't mention the sport um and everybody else was you know basically disparaging another group of people and because she was on the group chat she knew that she didn't you know um want to participate or oh i take it back she did actually make a comment and now and regretted it and she ended up getting in trouble um and you know those are and i think high school is really really difficult to navigate that but, you know, you guys know, like, I, I'll i leave the group chat in a minute. Um, and, you know, I think those are the types of real life daily examples where, you know, you can get caught up into something pretty easily. And it can, depending on the severity of it, 
be incredibly damaging to your relationships and, and keep you from making forward progress. We, um, yeah, you, we talk about that all the time with the kids and going back to Bobby, you found that, um, you know, the, the, this is who I am. This is, um, I, I, you know, I do this, don't do that. Jeff, you talked about that a long time ago in a podcast. Um, and I remember it. And, and the example you used was, you know, I'm not the guy that goes out and drinks seven beers and gets wasted every Friday night. And at the time of that podcast, that was super poignant for me because that was <clears throat> sort of at the beginning of what I was doing. And that's, that's sort of where I was like every Friday and Saturday night, I'd come home and hang out with my neighbors on the fire pit, you know, crush six or seven IPAs and do it again the next night. So um, I like how that has come full circle. You know, I, I heard it probably five years ago and, and, and Bobby, you know, just reiterated it, which again is, you know, emphasizes the importance of surrounding yourself with like-minded people to constantly teach those lessons. But um, you talk about, you know, when you talk, you surround yourself with those people and, you know, because they're, they're where they're at in terms of their journey or who they are. And, and with raising kids, that is so hard because, we see the big picture. We know who we want to be. And, and we have this practice and, you know, imagine trying to go back to the 15 year old version of you and trying to teach these lessons. And it's, it's tough, man. It's a really slippery slope. Um, without, you know, it, I always tell Amanda, it's like, it's osmosis. I just, you know, you, you teach it's, it. It's inception. <laughs> it's like you have yeah. to incept their yeah. brain with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, you live it, right? You, you do it through your actions and then you try to, you try to get them to see it too. And it's, and it's so hard at that age. And especially now with, you know, Bobby, you made a good point of just the honesty when, you know, I'll leave a group conversation, um, you know, getting these kids to, to realize like when they're in a bad situation or when, somebody's doing something they shouldn't be doing to one stand up for themselves, not being afraid to say, and, it, and it's, you know, for the kids, what I tell my kids, it's like, Hey, look, it's very simple. You know, the difference between right and wrong, just do the right thing. And I try to hammer that home all the time. And it's, it's hard for a you know 15 year old kid to be in a group of boys who are making a bad decision to say, Hey, what are you guys doing? Um, this isn't the right thing to do. They don't want to be ostracized. So, you know, a lot of times it's like, Hey, just walk away. If you have the courage to stand up, great. I'm super proud of you. But if you don't, you'll eventually get there, but just, you know, try to take yourself out of the situation. And, um, it's, it's tough, you know, raising these kids in, in this environment today with, um, you know, instant gratification, social media, and it's just different from the way we were, um, brought up. So trying to teach those lessons is uh, very challenging. And I know, you know, Jenna probably sees it all the time, Bobby, like you said, with um, being a teacher, Amanda, the same way. I mean, the horror stories and, you know, the stuff that kids put on social media, it's like, Hey, once it's out there, like you can't take that back. Um, mm -hmm. It's it, there. So you've, you know, you hate to, you know, you got to think about everything you say, which you know, when we were that age, we didn't have to do, but you just, these kids are, you're forced to, to think about it and grow up a little quicker these days. And it's just really like they, you, those things are going to happen. You know, it's all about helping them understand how do you handle those situations? You know, so like 
what kids are doing today in high school, they're just better resourced with technology than they were when we were in high school. We were we were into the same things, having the same conversations. You know, it's it's not to say, hey, you know, again, it's about a test. Like we're not telling you to uh, avoid opportunities to get to to make yourself better. If you win, it's not if it's when you find yourself in the situation. What are you going to do? Well, and, and that's part of that message that I tell you know both of the kids is like just what you said. You're gonna mess. You're gonna mess up sometime. But can you? Do you have enough capital built up with your teachers or your mentors for them to say, hey, you know, this isn't typical Jack Subtle. He doesn't he doesn't do this all the time. He made a mistake. Um, and, mm-hmm. and so you have to, you know, they 90 percent of the time, 95 percent of the time do the right thing. Um, they're on the right track. Yeah, I mean, I think the the funny part now with kids, the feedback mechanisms and the feedback loops on this stuff's just faster, right? It's like everything's faster. And so they make a mistake and, you know, it's stuff can go viral in, in a heartbeat, right? Whereas before it's like, you know, you made a mistake or so let's say you, you know, you went to a party and you were on a sports team and, you know, you ended up having some drinks and it took like two weeks to circle back to the coach and some of the parents would talk about it a little bit. Now it's like, one little Instagram story can get shared by the wrong person at the wrong time. Coach sees it. It gets shared immediately. It's like 15 minutes. They'll like show up to the party. Their feedback loops are so fast now. Um, and I think like you said, I mean, the the big thing, and as the way I just did the the most recent talk on at the gym, I'm, I'm so big on this. What you guys are, are talking about is, you know, set the culture in your family, right? And I think the biggest thing that you can think about, and when we think about the culture at friendship, and when we think about the culture that we want to have in our families, is it's a culture of like we are all going to fail and fall. I'm gonna love you anyway. Like I'm gonna support you no matter what. Let's take those failures and let's try to talk about potential roadblocks ahead of us. Like all this stuff's foreseeable, right? Like Jack, you're gonna get a bad call from a ref in a soccer game. It's foreseeable. We know it's going to happen. What do you want your response to be? Let's talk about it right now. Let's just let's just preload it, right? And let's practice it. Let's practice yep. what your communication is going to be. And that way, when you get there, you're prepared. And so, like, that's just a culture thing because, like, if that's where your mind is at, that's the level you're operating at as a parent or just even as a person, like, Sean, for your team or Bobby, for the people around you at Ohio State, like, the people that, you know, you have influence on at your team. It's, you know, if you're that type of person that's having that communication, that's living that way, you're a driver of the positive culture that's going to help make people feel more comfortable and more supported in all those situations. And I ultimately think, like you said, to surrounding yourself with people like that, the more people you can have on your team like that, obviously, it makes it easier on you, which like that's Sean, I know you've worked hard with trying to hire people who have that same vision aligned with you. And that's hard. I'm sure, Bobby, it's probably harder for you. You have way less control, I'm sure, over some of those decisions at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Um, but in your family, you have total control over those decisions, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, you're going to fail as a parent and, you know, you know, your spouse is going to fail as a parent. And so how do you react when your spouse fails? You know, are you yeah. still listen? And so, I mean, this is Marie and I are really working on this right now is, uh, you know, she, Stevie fell and hit her head the other day. And so like, you know, these are these response mechanisms. So I'm such like a shit giver. I'm just always going to like not let you move stuff down. But you could tell she was like actually butthurt about it or, you know, like actually like 
physically like sad about it. And so it's like, okay, listen, listen, she's going to be fine. My mom told me she like dropped me off of, I think it was me or my brother off a dresser. Like when we were like Stevie's age and I'm fine. My fine, my head is fine. Right. So long as she's okay, you know, like we're going to fail You're She's going to fall. Yeah. She's a baby. She's going to run into stuff. So, you know, let's support each other. Let's try to learn from it. Let's maybe not set her up in that position in the closet <laughs> again. Um, and let's grow and, and develop, you know, and support each other in this way. And I think that's the biggest thing when we're talking about kids is letting them know ahead of time, you're going to fail. These are potential uh, trip mines in your way, right? Like social media is a huge trip mine, right? Like you're walking into a claymore there and you know, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. So the easiest way is to avoid, but if you're saying you're not going to avoid it entirely, then let's talk about what some of the common pitfalls are for kids your age, right? Yeah. Let's have these conversations ahead of time. That, that was a good point in that, um, that podcast that you sent, um, or you shared it was was a Barry was a Barry voice that yeah 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 so they were talking about sort of like what you're talking about in terms of the you know all right Jack you know at a soccer game the parents are going to be yelling at the refs and now the kids are going to get all upset and they're going to be talking back to the refs so what do you think do you think now that referee is going to go oh the the parents are are yelling and the and the, and the kids are yelling so. I'm going to give them all the calls now, or do you think it's going to go the exact opposite way? He's you're, you're going to, he, now he's more against you. Yeah. And, and that podcast talked about how women have done a great job of, you know, in their movement of setting the, um, the tone of like, you know, you need to be educated. You don't need a man. It's, it's very straightforward. They've, they've, list, they've listed these steps, whereas men have always been more improved. You know, they've, they've done more improvising. And, um, you know, I, I think back, you know, I sort of did that too at certain stages. Like Jack was a horrible sport. He would, he used to cry all the time. Like if, if the other team scored a touchdown in flag football, he'd be crying. He's like, put me back in. And and I'd be like, you don't cry in sports. Like you don't. And, and that was really the only feedback I gave him. And it wasn't until I said, hey, when you, you know, you feel that coming on, right? So what can you do to stop it? And we just, you know, it was clench your hands, count to 10 and walk away. Right. And that at least gave him something. I didn't know, you know, was it right or wrong? Who knows? But it was, it gave him something other than you don't do this. Um, and so setting that game plan and talking through those situations is invaluable. Yeah. I think the, you know, the podcast I sent, I'll link in the show notes. It's called we, why we must save our boys. And I thought it was an interesting one for you guys. I really sent it to a lot of people that I knew that were raising young men. Um, and it really talks about, you know, the, the plights that I think a lot of men and young men are going through right now. Um, you know, so like I tried to pull a ton of statistics from it, but, um, you know, just looking at, you know, dropped in the labor market, increase in suicide, significantly lower admissions into college, into universities, lower high school graduation rates, higher imprisonment rates, like pretty much every metric we have as a society is trending worse for young men. And so, you know, my kind of philosophy on this is that we are really starting to lose the opportunities for leadership in some of these young men, and we're not setting them up for success. And I think when we look at like, and you guys can tell me what you think about yours, but the things that I take the most pride and fulfillment in are the things that I have been leaders of, 
right? So when I have the opportunity to say, listen, the buck stops with me. I am the one who made these decisions. That puts something on your shoulders. But then when it goes really well, you feel a lot of fulfillment with that. If you help people, if you create something that people enjoy, um, you know, if you help somebody, like if I think of my time at the tomb, it's like, when I, I helped some of these young soldiers who wanted to quit and I helped them stick with it and finish this amazing life thing that they were able to accomplish, which set their careers up for success and change to the as people, um, you only get that opportunity if you're a leader, right? Like if you're not a leader, you don't get those opportunities. And I think sometimes when we look at all of these statistics and some of these things, I think we're not really setting our our kids up for, or really our young men up, we're not setting them up well to be, uh, to be leaders right now. And I think that that's maybe where some of this, um, you know, where a lack of fulfillment, struggling with work and, um, you know, all those things can kind of come from. So I think that's, um, that's kind of some stuff that, you know, thinking of this podcast specifically or why I kind of wanted to put that in. I'm just going to start, Sean, you can keep talking. When he, when he was growing up, right. It was, women didn't even think about going to college. Right. And his kids who are in their twenties, it's like, Oh, you know, women are, you know, way more likely to go to college. Yeah. 1971, 37% female, 63% male, 2022, 61% female, 39% male. So in one, one generation, basically in in 51 years, um, that's, that's all happened. And that's what, you know, his contention really is that we've sort of overcorrected and the the scarier part is nobody is recognizing the overcorrection, right? Um, so everyone's still sort of in this, but like nobody is sitting there saying like, "Listen, we have we have major problems." And, and the the you know bigger issue, especially like in twenty twenty two, is this only gets worse when you start looking at the minorities. And that's one of the points that he highlights is right. th- these numbers are worse and more out of whack with the the smaller the minority you go down, so Hispanics and Blacks and. Um, everything, Asians, same, it all, everybody is worse as you start to go down the, the lower, um, like percentage of the population that you, um, that yeah, you the disparity are, gets worse. Yeah. The disparity yeah. gets worse. And so, you know, I, I'm, I'm, this is just kind of one of my working theses or theses because, uh, you know, Jeffrey is 13. My nephew is 13 right now. And this is something that like, I want to start really thinking about like, how do we give leadership opportunities? So I'm speaking at Olentangy Liberty, I think here in a few weeks uh, for John's leadership class. And like, that's something for me, I'm going to, I'm going to put a lot of effort into because it is something that I think is like, I I just, I don't know how we change that culture in our society to show like young men specifically, like, listen, like being a leader is, is part of like, you know, kind of who we are. And it doesn't need to be like, you like playing Fortnite, start a Fortnite club, just be the person who starts to bring people together, like just create a culture, just do do something, you know, like, I I think in that level, and that's kind of, you know, going to be sort of where I start my messaging with that is, um, you know, and Bobby, I'm sure you can talk to higher education stuff, like talking with other business owners, if you want to set yourself aside or for college applications or for a job application, tell me that you started something, which means that you had to put in all this effort to organize people and handle money and organize and pull something off. Like so few people have like actually gone out and really done that. Um, and it's hard. 
I mean, you know, it's like, it's, it's not easy to do that. Do you think it's because, I mean, obviously there's a myriad of reasons, but do you think part of it is, is that people are afraid to fail? Yeah, I think that's probably a huge part of it. In today's society, like I think back to when I had the opportunity to buy Hanlon Audi. I I mean, looking back on it, I always say, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, I would have probably taken a lot longer (laughs) to think about doing it. But you put yourself in that situation and, you know, I think part of what drove me was the fear of failure, Mm -hmm. right? Like you, you didn't want to fail, but you also knew, all right, if you, do you have the confidence in yourself that if you fail again, going back to what we talked about in the beginning is if you get knocked down, are you going to get back up? Are you just going to stay down? Um, And having that confidence and and telling these kids, like not only is it okay to fail, like the one thing I can guarantee is you are going to fail. Right. And and giving them the tools they need to come back from it. I'll take a step further, Sean. I mean, I, I just think, you know, I think people are, as much as they're afraid to fail, I think they're afraid to be held accountable to those failures. I think that, right? I mean, if I think uh, you know about about my team at work, um, you know, I'm trying to change the culture and help people understand. Like, listen, we we had a huge system that got implemented, um, and now your world's got rocked because maybe you've been here for 20, 25 years, and you don't want to learn a new system. You've been comfortable with what you're doing and you don't want to be as that seen as that person who just doesn't understand how to navigate, you know, this new system we're using at Ohio state or, you know, even, um, uh, you know, even at home, like, I think, you know, when we're, when we're talking with the kids, like, you know, it's, it's typical for an eight year old stuff, but what are we going to allow to continue to be typical or not? I mean, it's, it's all about like, you know, I, I, I did this because something else happened that um, caused me to do what I did. Just take accountability for the mistake you made, you know? And I right. think right now in, in, in society, like we, people are not patient. And I wasn't before, you know, I was definitely an instant gratification type of person. Um, I never, I had never actually seen, I had never invested in anything long enough to see what the fruits of that labor would be. So I'll give you an example. So like I was not, um, I feel very confident in my ability to do certain things at the gym um, that I was, I would say. Is this, this going to be a clean, clean and jerk story? If you want it to be, you can make <laughs> a movement, Sean. But what, what I'll tell you is like, I didn't do, I didn't do anything different from 10 years ago to now, other than just continue to show up. And I think people think like, oh, I've got to do this extra stuff on the side. I've got to be working on these things. Like, Maybe all you just need to do is keep coming to class, you know, and you'll see, you know, and, and that was a big, that was a big uh, light bulb for me where, you know, I think two or three years ago, um, I was seeing a lot of success on things that and hitting numbers that I didn't necessarily think I ever could. And that was the culture back then where you would walk in and everybody was doing heavyweight. Um, everybody was high five and having a good time. And I'm like, I wonder, what is it that they're doing that I'm not? Um, and so I think like, it's a couple things related back to, you know, um, this topic about boys, like, I don't think people, I don't think we have a culture in society where people want to be held accountable. Therefore they're afraid to fail. Um, and they don't trust the process. They, and, and I think what's special about the gym is that we help folks understand what the process is and not every gym will do that for you. Right. But, um, I think if you find a place where you fit in and you're comfortable with the people that are trying to guide you, Put your trust in them 
right? Like how yeah. many, how many people today, how many pro athletes today have comments about the coaching? What if you just bought in? You can disagree, but what if you just said, you know what, that's a coach's decision. And, you know, I may disagree with it, but I'm going to buy in. I don't, I don't think, I think there, I said a lot there, you know, in about 30 seconds, but I think all of it's connected. Well, well, and I've got, sorry, Sean, can I jump in there real quick? I got a bunch of stuff on <laughs> what Bobby just said, because I think it's yeah. all like perfect. Um, yeah. But, you know, and so I do think a big part of what you were saying to touch on that very last piece is, you know, part of being a great leader too is recognizing leadership, right? And recognizing when it's okay to be a follower and recognizing when the best thing that you can do as a leader is to follow, right? Is to step mm-hmm. up, like you said. So like, if you're the captain of a team, Right. And, and people are buying into the coach. The best thing that you can do as the captain is be the guy who buys it no matter what, like be the guy who's the best follower. And that's the best way sometimes to be a leader. Um, and I try to do this, like all, all kinds of like Jenny just ran barbells for move stuff or sorry, we shouldn't say the pink ribbon ladies, right. Our breast cancer awareness uh, for grace. Um, she runs that event. The best thing that I can do to support her is not come in and be like, well, I'm the leader and I'm the owner here and this is my facility. And so let me step on your toes and start second guessing all the decisions you make. It's what do you need? How can I help? Right. And be the guy who's there early, busting my ass, be the last person to leave, help clean up. Like that's the best thing that I can come in and do as a leader. Um, But the other thing, you know, and I think you guys are so great to have on this because Bobby, I think you are the strongest client at Friendship. Um, and Sean, what did you uh, say? You cut out. (laughs) (laughs) I had to say client. Right. Um, and you know, and Sean, I think you're the biggest weight loss journey in friendship history. Right. And both of you guys signed up for the master's challenge and both of you guys signed up for generations, right? You guys put yourself out there. And so what I wrote down here with the bigger, the responsibility, right. The bigger, the failure that comes. And so with you guys going out there, like, we just watched Bobby go through this clean letter, right? There's a lot of pressure on Bobby to go in and perform in that clean letter, right? Everybody knows he's the big, strong guy. Everybody knows that this is his event. There's all these people watching, right? That's a lot of pressure. And so he puts himself out there in this place that he could fail catastrophically, right? Like he could just totally mess up the last bar and end up losing that event for his team. And everybody in the back of their head goes, man, I thought, I thought Bobby was the strong guy. Like what the hell happened to him? Right. Um, That conversation happened in my head. Just, yeah. Right. (laughs) But that's what I'm saying. But that's like, that's when you, when you put yourself into these situations with greater responsibility. So like same thing, like Jack played JV this year, right, Sean? Yep. So that's all it's going to get, you get more responsibility. You go to varsity, you start playing in the state tournament for varsity. Like Thomas has won state championships before at that soccer. Like, so all that happens is the responsibility gets more. It's more in the off season. It's more pressure on you to show up. You're a senior now, right? You're a captain. Now you are the person who's going to be looked at by the sophomores. It only gets more. And so then the failure becomes more, right? The pressure becomes more. And I think that's what people are afraid of is they like it up to a point and then it kind of gets to that point and they're like, Ooh, like that's maybe a little more pressure than I kind of want to put on myself. So, so to me, there's a third piece. And I was going to talk a little bit about what Bobby was talking about, like show up, fail. The third piece for me is have faith and not in a religious mindset, but like, you know, I believe that this is going to work out, you know, at the end, maybe I do fail, but there's going to be something that comes out like in the end, I'm going to get through it. And I believe that unequivocally, 
I don't let those, you know, you, you do think, you know, it's natural to think of all the things that can happen or can go wrong. But in the end, I unequivocally believe we're going to succeed. Um, and I think that, you know, show up, <laughs> you know, but be, uh, you know, be ready to fail know that that's an option, but also have faith that you're going to, you know, eventually pass that test. Um, I, and, you know, three, Sean, I, th- I think people, I think people, um, you know, think certain things are going to happen when they fail. Like if it's, if it's embarrassment, uh, which is fine, you know, it's not, it's not like we're saying be dismissive of those emotions, but like you should welcome them. Right. Like, you know, I, <laughs> Jeff made a comment about the, you know, clean and jerk ladder, which, you know, I was super nervous, right. I didn't want to let my partner down. Um, he was going first and he was going great um, or going quickly. Uh, but during the gymnastics, I'm like, listen, I could just stand here and do nothing. Um, or I could try bar muscle up, whatever, you know, like what, and, and I think, people are so cautious to put themselves out there and it didn't happen to me like overnight. I guess that's my point. Like if you just keep doing it, you're going to feel more and more comfortable making mistakes, right? Like if you're in debt right now, you think your debt's going to disappear if you don't even put a hundred bucks in it. Like it's these things are not actually going to resolve themselves on their own. You're going to have to do, um, you know, some work to make progress on all the things you want for yourself uh, I think what we deal with a lot uh, in society is that I don't, I just don't think, I think people are just apprehensive to even um, put themselves out there and be vulnerable. Um, and it's not like you need to be vulnerable in a, in front of like 50 people. Maybe you do, maybe you do, you know, a, a one-on-one with a financial counselor or have a, you know, a very private intimate sitting where you're like, look, I'm going to put all my cards out here. Um, and I'm actually going to say the words, like, I don't know how to figure this out. Right. And so I think there's not there's not enough of reliance on people whose jobs it is to help you make progress and be the person you want to be, not just at the gym, but like at work. Like I think at work, you know, at Ohio State, like I I push my teams like to say, like, look, if you want if you want to have conversations about your professional development, I'm always here for you. But what I'll tell you is don't make any assumptions that I'm the right mentor for you. Let me go find somebody um, that I think you would have a great rapport with. And why don't you guys connect? Right. Like it doesn't have to be about me, um, you know, being the supervisor, being the manager. It's about just putting people in the right places or the right situations so they can comfortably make progress on the things that they hope for themselves. Yeah. And and like Jeff said, like all those things, like as you as you have those achievements and people expect more from you, the pressure just gets heavier and heavier and heavier. And so there's you know, again, there's two ways to go. You either say, man, I can't handle this anymore. Or, oh man, how lucky am I to be in this, in this space where I get to be challenged, you know? And again, goes back to the confidence in yourself and having the faith, not being, you know, afraid to fail. Like, great. Let's see what, let's see what happens. You know, maybe I may, I don't make it through, but if I don't, I'm going to learn a lesson. And if I do make it through, Great. That's what another, what a great achievement. Another thing ticked off the list. What's next? Let's go. Good. You know, we talk about all the time, like how lucky are we? Yeah. And I mean, I, that's something I know, like for you, it's the same thing. Like when you first bought Handler Rinaldi, you probably guys probably didn't have as many employees as you have now, right? No, no, no. And so, 
And would you have even been capable of handling that many people? If I would have told you, you know, hey, Sean, listen, you're going to start handling 85 employees tomorrow. You'd be like, oh, shit, like I'm not there's no way I'm ready for that. And I think that's, you know, the the it, just to peek in on society, like what our defaults are. You know, we just we just went through, you know, the big news today is you know Elon Musk with Twitter. Right. And you start looking at this and it's like, think about how much like responsibility and pressure is on that one individual right now, right? Like this, not just Tesla, not just SpaceX, not just, uh, was it Starlink? Um, and not just, and now Twitter. And like, you've got, that's one person, but what you have to start thinking about is like, but then probably one of the only people in the entire world that you would sit there and say, like, who is somebody who could actually come in and maybe actually potentially like make this better? Like who actually has that skill set in the world? Like there's only a handful of people and they're all probably worth over a billion dollars. And the reason is because there's only a handful of people. So they bring a ton of value to that. And I think that's the hard part for people to recognize sometimes is the that responsibility, like it's all a journey and you have to take these steps. Like to your point, Bobby, with careers is like, you know, or, or even in workouts, like I'll have people work out next to me that are in a, their first year or two. And it's, you know, they'll, they'll expect to like be able to stay with me on like an echo bike and a power clean. I'm like, I want you to understand that this is the 1700th time that I have done an echo bike and power clean. Workout. Like you're on like time Yuck. two, right? Like it's, it, it's hard to explain sometimes like the amount of repetition that I have at this specific thing. Um, it's going to be like, you're just not there yet and that's okay. Just stick with it and you will be, um, you know, 10 to 12 years from now or whatever it is. And I think that's the hard part. Like you said, Bobby, to patience is just being patient enough to let those things come to you in due time and having the patience and the understanding mm -hmm. of, I'm not even ready to do that yet. Like if you think about, you think about lottery winners are a great example of this is they're not ready to financially manage $200 million. They don't have that skill set because they didn't slowly walk up to that level. They just got handed $200 million. And then it's like, hey, by the way, you have to figure out how to allocate this for like the rest of your entire life and probably generational wealth. Like, do you have that skill set? Like, and they're going to be like, no, what should I do? It's buy a house, buy a car, buy a boat, buy a vacation, home, buy, and it's gone. And it's like those, those, you know, always sort of this be careful what you wish for mentality. Um, and I think that's a huge component to take it back to stoicism. That is such a huge component that it has given me is the patience to let things just happen naturally with their due course and time and understanding that really in reality, 99.9% .9 of things that happen to you two weeks later are just not a big deal or three weeks later or a month later are not a big deal. And that's where like daily stoic is huge, Bobby, just having that daily reminder on your calendar every day. Um, to, to get you back centered um, mm -hmm. around. So let's do yeah. some closing thoughts on that stuff. If you guys have anything else you want to say, and then we, we wanted to get into some media. So I put my media stuff down here, but, uh, and I know Bobby's on board for one of them. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, to, just to close it out on, on stoicism is, um, you know, gratitude. Uh, you know, I'm so thankful um, to have found friendship one and um, to know you guys great mentors um so again I'm, I'm very thankful for that i'm thankful for um my health everything in my life um that has sort of stemmed from this journey so 
a uh, big part of, of stoicism is just being thankful for what you have, not what you don't have. So, um, I am thankful for that every day. I think it's a great spot to, yeah, I think it's a great spot to wrap it up. Um, so, uh, one of my favorite podcasts does this, uh, at the end of their podcast, every time they do some like recommendation stuff. And so they do it to media. We can do it to all kinds of things. If you guys are trying new restaurants or something, you guys want to toss some different stuff in here, you are more than welcome to. Um, and so we first have to decide on how we're doing this. What do you, I think one out of 10 seems to be the best option. Um, (laughs) but we, yeah, five stars, you know, so We'll stick with one out. We'll stick with one out of 10 um, for now. Uh, so recently, Maria and I have watched and I've gotten now a few other people to watch the show alone. Um, and Bobby, you watched it, right? Sean, did you watch it? Yeah. 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 Okay, been cool. For a while. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, nice. You guys have already watched it. Yeah, that's um, I just think it's such a cool show. If you guys have never seen it or heard of it, the premise of it basically is they take 10 people, pop them out into like a remote place. And then it's and they're left completely alone. And it's whoever lasts the longest wins a half a million dollars. And that's kind of the whole idea of it. Um, there's no, like, there's not a lot of like reality TV stuff or production built in the middle. It really is just like remote cameras and GoPros with them the whole time. And so Bobby, you said your favorite part I thought was actually really unique. Do you want to talk about that real quick? Uh, just about how, like the, the nature of the individuals and what they go through on the show. Yeah, it's the vulnerability. I yeah, think, yeah. I just, well, I think what it's, what I like about the show, as opposed to, you know, my, my wife is obsessed with survivor. And so, uh, I was like, well, is this, this is, this is a little bit more extreme than that. And what I learned when watching season one, um, is that you have to have some sort of outdoor skills to be on the show. It's not, <laughs> it's not like survivor where it's like. You know, I'm going to make a video and hopefully I get picked to survive on an island. And it's really fascinating to me um, to see all these grown men who clearly have survival and women instincts and outdoor skills. Um, are there women? I'm only in season one. They were all men. Oh, oh yeah. Later yeah. they go women. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. There are so many seasons. I'm, I just I'm just finishing season one. Um, and just to see how vulnerable they are out there. I mean, it's 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 you know, you see them on television. And so you think they're around people, but they're literally by themselves. Um, You kind of get this impression that there is a filming crew out there and they're just not. And so I just think it's, you know, interesting to see how vulnerable and emotional um, these guys can get just, well, you know, men and women um, in these scenarios where, you know, they're just left to their devices uh, out in the wilderness and watching them go through um, all sorts of emotions, whether it be, you know, the, the animals out there um, that they're trying to, you know, stay away from thinking about their families, thinking about their kids or careers and, you know, sort of the dialogue that they have basically in front of a camera with no one there. So I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, it, it gives you, it gave me at least the sense that I got, that I took away from it was it made me thankful, really thankful for my family. And like, it made me really mm-hmm. thankful to be able to like, just sit in a comfortable warm room and enjoy like a nice dinner and be watching a TV show together because like, yeah. that's what they're missing. And I think just such a huge component is how many, how much stuff in just modern society that we really do take for granted. Um, and that show does such a great job of highlighting that. Um, mm-hmm. so I thought that was, that was really cool. Uh, while Sean is, uh, rebooting here, we can do, uh, the Hassan Minaj, uh, stand up. So tell your story with us and then, uh, talk about a little bit well well which one what which story specifically because i feel just like that I'm, you went I'm, just that this was like oh, not yeah. a netflix thing for you oh yeah so i you know i just i i love comedy shows i think like you know uh 
anytime someone comes into town, I always try and go, um, you know, check someone out. And, you know, Hassan Minaj came and lo and behold, you know, for whatever reason, uh, Jenna couldn't go or Jenna couldn't make it. So I actually ended up going by myself. Um, and it was a great time. You know, I think, I don't think I realized at the time that they were going to make a special out of it. It wasn't the Columbus show. Um, but his, he's just such a great storyteller. And I just encourage anyone who, you know, has or maybe doesn't have a great sense of humor just to watch it. Um, cause I think he makes some pretty interesting points. He's very good at taking audiences from highs and laughter to the lows yep. and lows and having serious conversations. Um, he's going to be, he's going to be someone that continues to do uh, big things. Yeah. I, I mean, it, he really does. Like he, he hits, I've never seen a comedy Uber show that actually like legitimately hits you like somewhat emotionally. Like, yeah. Yeah. and then the, like the very next statement makes you like laugh. It, it is the, um, you know, I, I have such an appreciation for the art of that, you know, how much practice mm-hmm. it takes, the pacing, the timing, the volume changes, his movements, yeah. like it is, it is so well done. And I mean, I was dying multiple times uh, throughout that. And so you and I have really enjoyed that. Um, what's it? I forget what it's called. Do you know? Uh, King's Jester. Yeah, King's Jester on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Such a good watch. If you guys like comedy, you should totally check it out because it was fantastic. Well, I like that it was like visually engaging, right? So you put mm-hmm. videos. That yeah, it's a sli- slide. He goes, yeah. I do slideshow comedy. Yeah, exactly. That's what it was. Power, PowerPoint comedy. PowerPoint comedy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So good. Um, and then uh, we'll see. We'll see if we get Sean back on here. Otherwise, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, I watched Adjustment Bureau for the first time. Have you ever seen that? You just now watched it? Yeah, I've never seen it before. Isn't that crazy? That's the Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon, Emily Blunt. Yeah. Oh, that movie is awesome. Yeah, yeah. Emily Blunt, uh, like, she's one of those people who, like, she's not really in a ton of movies. Yeah. Um, right. But, like, Edge of Tomorrow, I love, is such love a fantastic movie. movie. And uh, I liked Adjustment Bureau. I thought it was interesting uh you know an interesting concept maria i think got totally lost a couple times in it um but if if she kept jumping in and out for stevie and so i actually think it's a really hard movie to follow and like i found it unbelievably challenging to do the um to do the when she does the who's that guy what is this why is that happening and it was like (laughs) the hardest movie of all time to be like okay they're like a secret society, but they're like God and angels and they can like figure that out. It was almost impossible to do that with. Um, but I liked it. I thought it was a good message. Um, Maria goes, Oh, I really liked that. That was a great message. And I go, and I thought about it for a second, I go, is the message that like, just keep being a nuisance until you get your way. That was kind of like the, the low, the low key, like back end of it, but I like kind of like, kind of, kind of like into the wild. Oh, this movie is so great! What? Uh, I put, I put, uh, we'll put adjustment beer. I'll put it at like a six point five out of out of ten. If we're going, yeah, that's good. That's I'm putting alone at a nine on my TV show scale. Um, alone is is up there for me. Um, one of my favorite, definitely my favorite reality type show that I've ever watched. Um, like that's hands down. I don't think anything else comes close. Uh, and then, um, Sean, while you were out, we talked about Hassan Minaj stand up. Did you watch that at all? What's that? Do you like stand up comedy? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, dude, you should. Have you watched Hassan Minaj's yet? No, I haven't watched it yet. You got to watch it, man. Yeah. It's so good. 
Yeah, you should watch that. Um, and then most recently, I watched Nolan Ryan documentary, which is a cool one for me. So I grew or I was born in Texas. My dad, um, uh, you know, was running a, a branch of his business down there. And so they had season tickets, I think, to the Rangers at the time. Uh, this is late 80s, early 90s. So at the time where Nolan Ryan had his big signing to the Texas Rangers. Um, and so my dad was going, you know, to a lot of those games. And, you know, him and my brother, I think they somehow they had tickets to what ended up being his seventh no hitter uh, and didn't end up going. And so it's an unripped oh, ticket stub that he has framed. But man, what a cool documentary. It just it it's uh, an era. That's my favorite era of sports. It, it's it is a uh, lost generation of athletes, the Cal Ripkins and the Nolan Ryans. And oh, yeah, these just iron men of of I mean, I, it just it, he was pitching complete games that were 12 and 13 innings long. Like uh, th- there's zero chance. They, they don't even let these guys pitch complete games anymore. Um, and to just all the statistics on it. And so he's just an old school, Texas, hard ass, married a girl he met in fourth grade, his high school sweetheart. Um, and just was a, was a really cool story. I think just kind of nostalgia Americana at its best, um, you know, and, and so, they, Good. Did they show the clip with uh, was it Robin Yount when he rushed the mound and like Nolan Ventura, Robin Ventura. yeah, Robin Ventura. No, oh, yeah, Just they they talk about down, that a lot. Yeah. yeah, and then they talk a lot about Bo Jackson. Um, so Bo Jackson hit like a grounder back and actually cut his lip between his teeth, and he stays out there is pitching and he's literally pitching and his his uniform is soaked with blood. Um. And so, like, they talk about some of the legend around some of that kind of stuff, which that's is kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Bo Jackson hits a home run off of him, and they're like, that's probably the longest home run ever because I think the pitch was, like, 106, and Bo Jackson's Bo Jackson. And so they are talking about, like, exit velocity if they had the metrics on that one. Um, so it's crazy, though. I mean, now they can go back from film and actually tell you how fast he was pitching based off that. And he has pitches in the high 108s and, like, 109, like – just nuts. I mean, absolutely insane. You see it with all, think about all the technology, all the training, all the stuff that these guys have available to them now. I mean, I don't think there's anybody, a Chapman is maybe what, 105, 104. Mm-hmm. And so just, it's crazy. So that was really cool. If you guys want to want to watch uh, like an old school, if you're into baseball, uh, guy yeah, watch watch Maria it. loved it too. It's just a family. He's just a kind of a family man. So it's kind of fun. Nice. Um, nice. But um, you got anything, Bobby? I'm awful right now at starting shows and not finishing them. So I've started West Wing, which is awesome because uh, I've never seen that before. I've I'm so excited up, for you for that. Well, Maddie's trying to talk me into watching House of Dragon, and I'm like, I, I, it's so long. I don't want to watch three episodes, three bad episodes, just to get to the end where allegedly is good. And then um, you know, I'm gearing up for. I'm going to give Yellowstone another chance next month, or maybe it's December that it comes back. No, it's November. Um, yeah. I'm going to do an all in one. That. I'm going to do an all in one Paramount purchase and watch uh, Mayor of Kingstown, all the Tyler, Taylor Sheridan stuff. Uh, oh, you haven't watched Mayor of Kingstown? No, we loved 1883 is probably my favorite TV show of all time, though. I, I you love need, that. You need to watch Friday Night Lights. If you haven't started, yeah. you need to start it. We started it. Yeah, we started it. Um, yeah, the. Yeah, West Wing's a 10 out of 10 for me, man. One of my absolute favorite shows. It's one of the very few shows that I've watched every episode more than once. It's like, there's like five of them. Um, 
loved with. Yeah, there was there was quite a bit of gasping when I told people I hadn't seen it. So, <laughs> all right, it's all good. Let's call it a day for today. Uh, we'll let Sean right. go, and I think he's got a charge. He, he ran out of charge on everything. I think his laptop and his and his uh, AirPods. So <laughs> we'll call it for today. Uh, hopefully, this all uploads really well. Thank you guys for listening. Appreciate your time, Bobby and Sean. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. See yep. ya.